Today's episode of the Rutterflex podcast is sponsored by our friends at Rockies Venture Club, an angel investing group dedicated to accelerating economic development by educating and connecting investors and entrepreneurs. Their mission is to advance economic development in the Rocky Mountain region. And on today's episode of the Rutterflex podcast, we have guest Jamie Dandar McKinney. She's the president and founder of Jamie Empowers. She's a virtual workshop leader, a keynote speaker, leadership coach, and author. Jamie Dandar McKinney on the Rider Flex podcast. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Steve. How's it going? It's going great. I'm so I'm glad to spend this time with you. I've been looking forward to it all day. You know, the, the uh, listeners, just so you know, it's, we're recording this July 29th, 2020 which is like, I don't know, the craziest year ever that I can remember, that I can remember. I'm, I'm 53. So, uh, I mean, I was, I was two years old in 69 and, and 70 and some of those other wild years where a bunch of stuff was going on. Just, you know, there's been some crazy years throughout all these decades, but wow, 2020 is, uh, going to be up there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I've been kidding around lately that the whole, you know, hindsight is 2020, like that phrase is going to completely, <laughs> take on a whole different meaning. <laughs> used to refer to it as like this, wow, I had such vision and I knew so it was a smart thing. And now I feel like it's going to be tantamount with, oh, like he fumbled, like, oh, they 2020, <laughs> you know, like. Right, right. Completely it, it, different meaning. It will. It definitely will. It's been, it's been a weird year. You know, uh, we won't get into too much of the COVID and all the, the, the stuff that's happening. Uh, and whether or not, uh, you know, the, the masks and everything else, all the rules that we have to follow. But man, you know, just no matter what uh, side of the fence you're on for that, for anybody listening, by the way, the bottom line is I just miss hanging out with people. I just miss, <laughs> I just miss getting, getting together with my friends in like a regular environment. I think everybody's probably in agreement with that, probably, I, unless I, you were just I a hermit, am. unless you were a hermit already. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I have a regular group of buddies that uh, I meet at the local watering hole down from my house. And uh, yeah, I miss that. I miss that. So anyway, I'll be, I'll be glad when uh, it's, it gets closer to normal, hopefully soon. I was saying that like 30 days ago and then I, I'm like, Oh, well, I guess maybe not too soon. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, thank you for joining me. You're in Denver today. Correct. All right. And, but you're not from Denver, right? You, you grew up in Ohio, I think. I did grow up in Ohio. Um, I grew up in Toledo. I went, I went to the Ohio State University for awesome. grad. And then uh, with my first job out of college, I was living in Cleveland and they said, I was six months into, into the job and they said, hey, we've got this project in Fort Collins, Colorado. I had never even heard of Fort Collins. <laughs> it's going to last for six months. What do you think? And then, you know, come back somewhere in the Midwest and talked to my parents and I oh yeah, six months. That sounds great. And that was in March of the year 2000. <laughs> wow. Okay. And here I stay. Well, so you moved here before it really started getting crazy busy with lots of people moving in. So you were here because between 2020, let's call it what, 20, I don't know, I guess when did it start picking up? 2010 or so? 12, yeah. 10. Yeah. And then it, then it started getting really crazy around 2015, 2014, a lot busier now than it was when you first moved here in 2000 though. <laughs> yes. I mean, when I, when I first moved to Fort Collins, you had to like fill up your tank with gas and have a bottle of water in the car, you know, before you went to Denver. <laughs> and now you don't really notice when you've left Fort Collins and when you've approached other areas. Right. Built up. I live right off that highway. Uh, the so so there's a small town called Johnstown, which is oh, just yeah. south south of Loveland. Mm -hmm. And when I moved here in '07, we had like one stoplight in town. <laughs> Those days are over. Uh, so okay, so so you came out to Fort Collins, yeah. So so, but before you get into your professional career, let me ask about your parents and your family. So, are your parents from Ohio too? Yep, they are both from Toledo. And what'd they do? Uh, my mom was a third grade teacher and my dad was a firefighter. It's a pretty like, oh. all-American <laughs> family. Right, for sure. Was your dad like one of those macho, like the standard macho, super tough uh, firefighter sure guys? Call, 
describe my dad as macho. Other people probably could, but I, like, <laughs> um, he was always, you know, father of, of three daughters and um, just stand up guy. You know, his crew yeah. always looked up to him. I remember I was, I was home one year for Thanksgiving and um, we were all, my family and my sisters, we were out at the bar together and my dad's crew comes walking in and they're saying, Captain Dandar, Captain Dandar. And, you know, he introduced me to some of his crew who didn't know me because I lived out of town, whereas my sisters lived in town. And the one guy, I remember, he, he met me and he goes, you're Captain Dandar's daughter too? And I said, yes. And he just yelled for anyone who's going to hear it. Who else is off limits in this bar? <laughs> and my dad just oh, nodded his head like, good. yeah, you bet, buddy. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Uh, that's good. Are they still, so they're still there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Re retired or still working? Uh, well, they're, they're working, but as, as Grammy and grandpa uh, to my, my sister's little ones. Okay. And you had two sisters. Correct. Are you the oldest? Where, where are you in the, in the, in the mix I'm there? The, I'm the oldest. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Okay. Were you the tough older sister that like had to kind of babysit sometimes and keep them in line? We are, if you read the birth order studies, it's like they were in our house. <laughs> Is that right? Okay. All yeah, right. the way the way my dad used to describe that was, you know, when it came to schoolwork, if the assignments given on Monday and due on Friday, Jamie had it done by Monday night. My middle sister had it done around Thursday, and my youngest sister was like, "What assignment?" <laughs> <laughs> now your your little sister is going to listen to this, you know. What do oh, they do? What do they do now? Your sisters? Uh, my middle sister works for a chamber of commerce, mm. um, and then my youngest sister is uh she owns her own business she is a yoga instructor and does stand up paddleboard okay all right very cool and all my right. middle sister's got some entrepreneur in her too because uh she married a chef and they have a restaurant so two of the girls got the entrepreneurial bug but that really didn't come from your parents i'm wondering where that came from where that's a great question and i have thought about that too and i i don't really know the answer except that uh, the creativity like my mom was so creative and so we were always coming up with new things and then my dad is really adept at like building things and so we were always making like bike ramps or our own game show host sets or <laughs> things like that so there was cool. always something building um and maybe that's where it came from okay cool all right so cool so you come out to Fort Collins you you, you flew into Denver and drove to Fort Collins first yeah. time ever here were, were you like Oh, wow, this is pretty cool. <laughs> it was definitely one of the first moments where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm truly an adult now because I picked up the rental car, which I had to pick up from Enterprise because I was under 25 years old. And I do vividly remember driving up I-25 and looking at the mountains and just, and I, you know, all by myself. And I came from Ohio State where you literally know thousands of people. And now here I was in Fort Collins where it felt like the size of the town was about the size of my entire school. Um, and it was kind of tricky because everybody who lived there either went to school there or had their 2.2 kids in, in Labrador. And I was like right in the middle of that. And mm. the people that I worked with, it was not smart for me to fraternize with them outside of okay. work. Um, and it was, it was a little tricky meeting uh. people and growing a group of friends. Fort Collins was ranked back then as a pretty cool, quote, mountain town, even though it's not really a mountain town, it's at the foothills, mm -hmm. but it was, you know, it was a really big popular place to live back then, or still is, but was starting to grow. Okay, so you start your career. Who'd you go to work for? I was with PPG Industries, which is, if you've heard of BASF or DuPont, uh, PPGs, they're direct competitors and, and customers in some cases, some of the chemicals that they make are so specialized that they buy from each other. Gotcha. And you worked for them for a long time, but what is it? 13, 15 years or something? 10 years. It was, it was 10 years to the day, almost several promotions. Walk us into some of your career stuff. Go ahead. Yeah. So I started <laughs> my degree uh, was in business marketing. I saw that. And you know, marketing advertising, I was exploring opportunities in that. And when I came across PPG, they were hiring for a business development manager in their automotive refinish division. So essentially cars, paint, body shops, collision centers. And they said for the first entire year of your job, we're going to teach you how to be a territory manager. We're going to teach you about paint. We're going to teach you the chemistry, you know, all these things. 
Um, yeah. And the plan is we do this for a year and then we set you in a territory. And I thought, well, that's a dream come true. Like now I'm going to learn and they're going to pay me. Um, and I love the learning side of it. Like it's just, you know, I have insatiable curiosity and it was, you know, company car and computer and phone and all these really cool things. And they asked me in the interview, what do you know about cars and paint? And I said, basically nothing. And they said, they said, great. That means you have no bad habits and we'll teach you the PPG way. So okay. I was, cool. So signed up, came on board. I was the third female to join a team of 400. What? Wow. Okay. <laughs> numero, numero trace. Yep. Holy cow. All right. Um, I was the youngest by on average 20 years. I hadn't grown up in the business like a lot of them had. So I had no stories of, oh, well, when I was in pigtails running around grandpa's shop. And, you know, this is my first job out of college. I had internships, but I had no real business experience. Hmm. And then the wow. other thing that made me stick out was that I had a college degree and a lot of their aging workforce did not. So when it occurred to them and they realized why I was hired and what I was being groomed for and that I might someday be their boss, you can imagine. Yep, I can imagine. <laughs> that I didn't have the warmest uh, welcome. <laughs> at, at, happy, at, at happy hour, they weren't like, Jamie, come over here and sit with us. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> okay, but you but you did well, and you got you advanced a couple of times, right? I did three times. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay, so a very nice run there. But that was a that was so great experience getting promoted. Learned a lot. Also dealt with the heavy mail environment and all that stuff. When you got your first promotion, was your entire director? I'm guessing all your direct reports were guys, right? For the both times you were promoted. It was, I actually didn't have direct reports at that time. It was more, uh, it was a responsibility for covering the Western half of the U.S. and uh, being in more of a consultative role to train and teach the collision centers how to run their businesses better. So I was I doing see, I see, I see. public speaking and training. Okay. And the team. Okay. So you, you did, all, I did a bunch of public speaking early on in your career, way back. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So why'd you leave there? Why did I leave PPG? Yeah. So I loved what I was doing in terms of sales, business development, and marketing. Um, but I would watch these guys. You know, we, we all had times when we needed to present. And I watched some of these guys, you know, who'd been in the business forever. And they would give presentations and be incredibly unpolished. You know, there would be errors in their PowerPoint, their shirts half untucked, they're using double negatives, you know, things like that. But they had this passion for cars and for paint and for the things that we were promoting. It was so contagious and it almost kind of made you forgive the unpolished part. And I just thought, you know, wouldn't it be neat if I could take my polish and my business skills and apply it to something where I have that same passion that they do? Okay. And that was a big, you know, shift for me. That was a kind of a big like ding, ding, ding. You've got to, you need to follow through with this, Jamie. So that was when, you know, I was about seven years into my career at that point. And I thought, well, I don't want to start all over in an industry. And I always knew when I graduated from undergrad that I wanted to get my MBA at, at one point. So that's when I continued to work full-time for PPG. And then I went to grad school also full-time to get my MBA and hoped that that would two things would happen. One, that I'd figure out what I really wanted to be when I grew up. And two, that the MBA would be the, the bridge, you know, to close the gap between with not having any industry experience to wherever okay. I'm going to go. Okay. Okay. All right. And then, so, but eventually you left there and you did a few other things. Walk us through how you transitioned leaving there, how the entrepreneurial bug started. You did a couple of other things and then you started Jamie Empowers. Kind of walk us through the transition and how you got rolling. Sure, sure. So my networking game was incredibly strong. Okay. okay. <laughs> while, I, while I was in grad school, I, you know, I just, I started paying really close attention to like, you know, what are you clicking on for fun or what are you reading or what's intriguing to you? And I was oh. really drawn to sustainability and energy. Um, but didn't know a whole lot about it. So I started going to eat, you know, we could go to things in person, uh, evening events, like these clean tech pitches. And, you know, every time I just set a goal that I would get five business cards. 
okay. five cards. And then I would follow up with each of those five people. And then I would either have a conversation that led somewhere with them, or if it was like, hey, let's just keep in touch, I would say, you know, who, whom else do you know that I can reach out to just to continue to learn and where my skill sets might plug in? And you didn't have a plan necessarily to start Jamie and Powers at that time, but you knew networking. Oh, not at all. You, you knew networking was just critical anyway, and so you were doing it. Okay. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> so that led to my transition to a renewable energy company, and that was really great because I was their director of business development, and I was it was like living my my MBA, what I'd learned in MBA school. I mean, I was just applying everything. Like it okay. was it was such a great transition, uh, and then. Anybody who's worked in energy knows it's just not a matter of, of if, but when <laughs> that funding or downturns or things will happen and um, you will be furloughed or laid off or whatever the case may be. And so that happened. But interestingly enough, at that time, I had a mentor who, when I first met him, we were like the odd couple. You would never have paired us together, but he was like this high executive in oil and gas. And here I was in renewable energy. And yet when I introduced myself to him, he really did take me under his wing. And so we had developed a, a friendship and a mentorship. And so when I got let go for renewables, he was like, Jane, come over to the dark side. And I was like, I can't do it. Uh, but over uh -huh. as I learned more about it and I learned what it really was rather than what the perception of it often is, I thought, wow, that, you know, it looks really cool. And where can I have more impact? You know, if I do see something that I think is is out of line, are they going to listen to me more on the outside or inside the boardroom? Okay, okay. That transition then as well. So, you know, still finding myself in another heavily male-dominated <laughs> industry. By this time, though, you're navigating that pretty well, I'm guessing. Yes, and, you know, what I figured out um, probably four or five years into my career with PPG is that in order to not – and I, I, I don't mean to be dramatic when I say this, but truly in order to not get eaten alive by these guys when I would come into a meeting and my gender neutral name, you know, if it was only email that we had communicated over, like when Jamie walked in, they were like, they did not expect me. So <laughs> there were just all kinds of factors. And so I just carried myself with confidence and I just did that by default. And it wasn't until later that I actually like realized that that's what I was doing. And especially coming, you know, from a background of, of two sisters and all girls high school and sorority, and I know my way around a sewing machine. I was, I thought, you know, like if I can do this, anybody can do this. I see. So I started studying it. I mean, I started studying the, the neuroscience behind confidence and, you know, like, is there a formula and what increases your confidence versus what depletes your confidence. And I kind of just, it was just more of a fascinating thing to me. I didn't really do a whole lot with it, but I wanted to know. And then it was also just reaffirming to me that when I would go into then oil and gas meetings and like, yeah, were there times I was intimidated? Absolutely. But I just knew, carry yourself with confidence, Jamie, carry yourself with confidence and you'll survive and thrive through this. Okay. So, so what's happening to you naturally then is leading you towards Jamie mm -hmm, and Powers, mm -hmm, right? Mm-hmm. When did you when did you decide to to start your own you know consulting firm or, uh, or agency? Um, when did you say okay that's it. I'm not I'm not working for anybody else right now. I'm going to start my own thing. Like when did that happen? So that happened. Well, prior to that, I just started listening a lot better, and I just uh, started responding to requests. Uh, there was. A magazine is called, it's called scale it magazine okay your business and they approached me in 2017 because again oil and gas downturned and i was now working um for a fintech startup in the roofing industry More wow um, and the, <laughs> and the, it just happened i was not you know like aiming for this um but the magazine approached me and they said, hey, we wanna do a feature story about a strong female male dominated industry. We've been watching you, we want it to be you. Well, yeah, you're, per you're perfect. <laughs> it, well, and it was, I, I mean, that was, very, that was very flattering and humbling. And I said to them, I said, did you know I've also worked in automotive and oil and gas? And they said, no, e even better, <laughs> right? Even better. So the article came out, Steve, and it just, it garnered more of a response than I had. Uh, okay. And it highlighted for me, that the things that I had done 
you know, it was kind of like tough actually. And that there were other women who really enjoyed hearing my stories. Yeah, because they, 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 they need to have that. They want to have an emotional connection with somebody else that's gone through it, right? They want to, mm -hmm. they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, you went through this too? Yeah, let's talk about it. Absolutely. <laughs> they can, they can and, relate, okay. Yeah, and, the, and they're like, tell me more. And so then that led to mm. groups that called and said, hey, will you come talk to our women's group about your experiences, about leadership, about confidence, about how to do well in business and you know male dominated industries and was that your, was that the first phone call where somebody said hey come talk to a group and you're like were you like oh i'm not be able to make a living doing this maybe <laughs> not yet no not yet because i still really enjoyed what i was doing okay. um and and i thought well this would be a nice like you know yeah. it kind of thing that i can do on the side while still having okay salary and benefits and things like that <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> Uh, you know, use the miles that I acquire or accumulate for work travel for vacation, you know, there's things, right? But then at each of those talks, a handful of women would come up to me afterwards and say, hey, this was great. You know, I want to learn more. How, how do I buy your book? And to that, I just kind of smiled at first and said, well, uh, that's a great, that's a great question. Maybe should, I'll, let me grab your email address. I, I'll, I don't know. I'll keep you, I'll keep you posted. Did you tell them that you had started writing a book or they just assumed you had one? No, I hadn't started. I mean, and that okay. wasn't the thing for me that it just, no. <laughs> wow. Okay. But, but again, I just, you know, started listening. Um, and then I was at a, a women's luncheon. This is one another one of my God whispers tipping points. Okay. I was at a women's luncheon uh, for an oil and gas group. There were about 40 of us in the room, all women. And the speaker asked everyone to go around and introduce yourself and simply say your name and the company that you work for. Just those two things, like nothing clever or funny or what would surprise everybody about you and just name and company, right? And we went around the room in this like safe environment and I could barely hear half of them saying their names and their companies. Interesting. It really like, and it even does now, like it really pulled at my heart because mm -hmm. these women are crazy smart, Steve. I mean, they're mm -hmm. engineers, they're scientists, they're data analysts. I mean, they're making calculations and doing things like algorithms in their heads. And I just thought, oh my gosh, if it's this hard to say something that we all know how to say that we've all said so many times in a safe place, like how are they speaking up? in a business environment where like, you know, promotions and opportunities and like self-promotion and like, you know, create that visibility for yourself. Like, is that, that's not happening. Mm. Mm. Do something like, how can I help? Because, you know, I want to champion you. I want to teach you how to do this. I want to help you get centered in your confidence. And so when you feel those butterflies in your stomach, but you have something to say that it comes out of your mouth and mm. not only that, but it's not that you're, you think it and then you hear it, but it came out of somebody else's mouth and you're like, ah, that was my idea. You know, like, <laughs> like we got, we've, we've got to intercept this, right? Like we've got to do something. So like all of these things were happening at the same time, requests for the book, requests for speaking, okay. just being the need and wanting to help. And then that, that culminated into Q3 of last year, and that was my departure from my, my corporate job. And, um, and a book publisher had already reached out to me, kind of cold called me and said, hey, I heard about the concept for your book. Um, I'd love to learn more. You know, I'd love to work with you. And I, I was in Midland, Texas at the time. I was riding shotgun in the um, pickup truck of one of, the, one of the guys on my sales team. And I was kind of like, who, who is this? And what? <laughs> and, um, so, you know, I got together with her at a later time and then I decided along with my very supportive husband that October, November, December last year would be, that would be my full-time job is, you know, finishing the book. Cause I, I mean, looking back now, I'd started it and it was maybe 30% of the way done. I thought it was at least 50 or 60, but <laughs> um, still had a ways to go, but that, that's what I did. So the initial manuscript was completed at the end of last year. Now, if I can, you know, I don't know how much you want to share right there, but what I just heard you say was, I stopped my job, which means your pay stopped. And producing a book 
cost money. So you actually had money going out, <laughs> out the door, right? True story. <laughs> uh, yeah, cash is going the opposite direction there for a few months. Okay, now during that time when you were writing the book, did you do any speaking gigs or did you get paid for any consulting gigs then or no? Or did you just heads down, you're writing the book? I'm trying to remember if I spoke at all. Um, I think I was pretty hunkered down. I realized, I think I did speak once or twice and I realized that in order to get this book done efficiently, uh, that it was, it was really just focused on doing it because it's a very different thought process. What goes into writing as opposed to what goes into preparing for a talk. Now at that time though, you had not, you, were you thinking I'm going to write this book and then I'm going to go get another executive job. Was that the early thought process or had you already decided you were going to start Jamie and Powers? Well, so as I was writing the book, I thought, all right, for your earlier point, uh, one book launch does not make for a retirement account. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Usually it ends up costing you more than it brings in. Yeah. Um, but the <laughs> other piece was there's so much applicable information in here. And so how do I really disseminate this? Like, and not just from somebody who reads the book, which I think will be great, but also, you know, how do I talk about this or how do I build a, a program where I can teach it? Or, you know, what does that look like? And there's a lot of different directions you can go. So I hired a business coach. Okay. Who, so then more money. Jay now you got, now you got more money going out. <laughs> right. Except that he was worth, I mean, he, the ROI. Okay. Definitely there. Um, but so this is when, to answer your earlier question, that's when Jamie Empowers was officially, officially born. Okay. And Jamie Empowers, Jamie Empowers was launched when? I'm trying to think. I th late, I, I credit late 2019. Uh, you know, is it like when the website launches it? Okay. I, I don't have an exact birthday okay. and I have been so busy. I haven't had a grand opening, which is kind of a good problem <laughs> to have. Okay. Uh, Okay. But yeah, so, late. I mean, oh, as far as being like available for hire and then having inbound funds, uh, that would have been late last year. Okay. And it's jamieempowers.com. So why don't you give us the, as it stands today, give us the three minute Jamie Empowers elevator speech. Go for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, the mission of Jamie Empowers is to empower women to ditch doubts, speak up, and achieve the careers they deserve and desire. Okay. One of my favorite phrases is empowered women, empower women. And when you are centered in your own confidence, you have zero trouble sharing that with anyone and everyone else because you really, you know, hashtag stronger together, right? Uh, you realize that the more of us that know this and that appreciate that when we're leading with confidence, it's demonstrating that we're, we've got a handle on our insecurities and that the more we can work with others and lift up others, the more we all rise. It's, it's truly a collaborative effort. And confidence, you use that word a lot, even since we've been talking and it's on your mm -hmm. website and in some of your material. Mm -hmm. so is that really the foundation of it is, is, Hey, I'm going to help you be more confident to help you deliver the things you, you are already smart enough to, de to deliver. Is that? Yes. Um, okay. Yes. Okay. When you have a solid foundation of confidence, I mean, that really paves your path for anywhere that you want to go because it's not that challenges or things won't come at you, but when you're centered in your confidence, you know how to handle criticism, you know how to, convert a challenge into an opportunity. You know how to keep moving forward. You know how to eliminate your self-doubt. You know how to do all these things that weigh us down and hold us back so that you can keep moving forward. What, what's the cause of this lack of confidence? You know, there's, there's a lot of things. Um, with girls, it tends to happen around the ages of 11 or 12. Um, okay. When we okay. start to get pretty self-conscious about what, what others are saying. And if it's not it, uh, addressed at that point, it can continue to, to spiral downward. Um, I learned in my research, this is one of these things that I'm like, wow. I mean, so there's, there's a social conditioning element to this. Were you, were you a Boy Scout, Steve? I was not. No. I mean, I, I grew up in Oklahoma on a small farm, so kind of automatically. You're I was, living but, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not by a sash yeah. or badge or anything. Right. Um, so 
the Girl Scout pledge, and I was a brownie and a Girl Scout and all that, starts out, on my honor, I will try to serve God, my country, et cetera. But on my honor, I will try. The Boy Scout pledge starts out, on my honor, I will. Interesting. And Interesting. <laughs> when I learned that all these years later, it's just, you know, our self-talk is so important. I mean, there's mm. does this thing called neuroplasticity mm -hmm. and base our imaginations are so powerful and there's time you know there's times that your mind can't distinguish the difference between imagination and reality so the words that we're saying to ourselves are literally creating our own outcomes what happens next so you know there's there's the social conditioning elements and then it's just nature nurture i mean there's a lot of different factors that can come into play you know not knowing how to recover from mistakes that's a big one uh, because if you keep making mistakes and you are not learning from them and you're just seeing them as failures and kind of game over points, well, that's uh -huh. conditioning you to stop trying things. I see. Opposed to if you can look at a mistake uh, and see the opportunity and I actually have an acronym, it's called PROWL and the acronym stands for, you know, when you do make a mistake, which we will all do, possibly on a daily basis, depending on <laughs> the enormity yeah. of it, right? right. Yes. Um, but pausing and breathing, that's a huge one. So you okay. keep the amygdala from being hijacked and you can stay in a place of, of calm and clear thinking, reviewing what happened, owning it, definitely not pointing fingers and blame elsewhere, owning it, looking at what can I do? What's, you know, what's the plan from here? Mm -hmm. And what did I learn? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, good. So, so tell me about the cert, the specific services. Then, is it, is it one-on-one -on -one coaching? Is it, is it um, public speaking? It, I know you have this power hour. I mean, talk to us about the different things that you can do. Go ahead. Sure, sure. So, I definitely have a, a leadership coaching program, uh, which is one-on-one, -on -one, and then I'll be starting a mastermind group in the fall. So that'll be similar curriculum, but now with a a small group of women. Okay. And then uh, the virtue, well, every, you know, what, what was public speaking in, in March made a quick pivot <laughs> to a virtual offering. Now uh, there's uh, different shapes and sizes of that, uh, you know, something to meet the needs of, of the groups that I work with. I have either a one hour jumpstart version, which I call it, or a full workshop, uh, which we do over the course of five days for one hour per day. And it's all about soft skill development, or I, I like to call soft skills strategic skills because I don't think they get enough, we, we give them enough credit. We I like call that. Skills, uh, mental strength, and then confidence boosting techniques within each topic that we cover each day. Okay, so I can sign up for one of these, these uh, group sessions, or I can hire you individually, or I can hire you to speak to my company. Correct. Usually, usually it's a company or an association that hires me. What about the guys? What about the guys? <laughs> what Great if the question. What if the, what if the company has males? They're like, okay, you guys can't come. Sorry. How's that no, work? So one of the questions I had from, from a decision maker uh, who was hiring me, he, Jamie, am I going to get sued if, if men aren't allowed? And, I, <laughs> and um, his name's Steve also. I said, no, 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 uh, no boys allowed situation. Um, you know, men are definitely welcome. However, I'm very upfront about, you know, my, my research, my stories, my experience, my jokes, you know, they're just, they're catered more toward women. I mean, that's, that's who I am. That's, those are the shoes that I've, I've walked in. I can't say what it's like to walk okay. in a man's shoes, but I can certainly say what it's like to walk in my shoes. Uh, but at the same point, everyone is welcome because the men from the feedback I've gotten from them, uh, you know, they definitely get something out of it too. And I often get requests afterwards for, Hey, would you mind sharing the video with me? I want to share this with my wife or with my daughter. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, when you're when you're coaching uh, women in these sessions uh, and during these speeches, I mean, yeah, I I would think it'd be great for the guys to hear it because, like you said, I walked in these shoes. I know how you're feeling. Here's some encouragement I want to give you. Um, I don't I don't see how that could be a bad thing for the guys to hear that uh, because you know because because most of them are oblivious to to what, what they might be feeling like. Um, right. in, fact, in fact, I just, was, I told you earlier during the small talk before we started recording that I had my youngest son, my 26 year old over for coffee and he's a single guy in Fort Collins. 
and uh, he was talking about dating and stuff. And I said, have you read that book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus? I said, you might want to pick that up. You might want to pick yeah. that up. <laughs> um, well, do, do you want to know a, a professional uh, kind of metaphor to that, to that book? Go ahead. So one of the things I talk about is embracing different ways of thinking and acknowledging them and trying to work with them rather than against them. Because the only way of thinking that I can change is my own. I can't change yours. I can't change the ways of thinking other people in the room. And this is not, um, I didn't originally come up with this, but I've now seen there's several books that actually carry this title and they talk about waffles versus spaghetti. Okay. Some brains are oriented more like waffles. (laughs) Some brains are oriented more like spaghetti, meaning that the waffle-like brains are more compartmentalized. Mm. They in in more uh, definitive terms. It's, you know, it's left, right, up, down. Okay. Uh, their spatial reasoning is pretty good and they get to decisions quickly, but they might skip over some details that can be pretty important in making the best decision. Okay. So that's, that's the waffle brain. The spaghetti brain can do multiple things at the same time, good intuition, very good communication and interpersonal skills might take a little longer to get to a decision than the waffle brain, but will consider details that the waffle left out. Now, I don't even, when I say this, I don't even say which one tends to orient more with one gender or another, because in my mind, it doesn't matter. And it's not an all or nothing. Anyhow, it's just a matter of acknowledging when someone's sitting across the table from you and they're just, you're like, how are they not getting this? You know, maybe invite in, and it's funny because my husband and I practice these things too. Maybe even just invite in the idea that, hey, if they're thinking this way, and I'm thinking that way, how can we complement each other rather than contend with each other? Because if we're trying to come up with a client solution or solve a problem, two minds are going to be better than one as long as they can communicate about it. I agree. And I think a female and a male mind together is super powerful. And I'll use my own marriage as an example. I spent, I spent my first marriage, because this was my second marriage to Kim, my first marriage, I spent that whole marriage trying to force my ex-wife into thinking and behaving exactly like I did. <laughs> how'd, that, how'd that work for you? And, and that, that's why I am married for the second time. <laughs> and, that, and, you know, as I've gotten older, I've just learned that, well, you know, she does think differently than I do. She does come at it differently, see things differently, has a different insight on stuff, uh, or, mm-hmm. or just has some additional insight on stuff. And usually I end up making a better decision because of that mm-hmm. uh, instead of getting irritated that she didn't think of it, think, think about it exactly like I did. Right. You know. <laughs> exactly. That was, you know, being, being married, I've been married, it'll be five years in September. And, you know, it's taught me a lot of things, of course, but one of the things that really fascinated me early on is that my husband and I can go experience the exact same thing, like the exact same dinner conversation with the exact same people when neither one of us got up from the table we heard all the same things and our recall of it later yeah so different and again not in a contentious way just like right. He, right. he thinks they said this I think they said that and you know there's always there's body language there's tone there's yeah. all these different things that we're interpreting and you know I worked on a team it was one of the best executive teams that I've been on because each of us had a different interaction style and each of us picked up on different things so when we went into like these client pitches or, you know, investor meetings, we were this unstoppable force because afterwards and even yeah. during, you know, we knew to look at the other one to say like what I, you picked up some, on something right there that I know I missed. Mm-hmm. And yep. it was yep. so cool to do that in a collaborative fashion. Uh, just on my a coaching call I had this morning with one of my clients, uh, today's topic was about different interaction styles and we actually go through Um, a little assessment and we talk about, okay, so if this interaction style is your, your boss, and this is one of your direct reports, and this is, you know, one of your, your colleagues, how do you learn to work with them rather than against them? Mm. It's pretty, it's pretty powerful. Is it just you for right now? Or do you have uh, some partners? Uh, How are you and and how do you plan to develop the business? To scale? Well, I realized that in order to achieve the goals that I want to achieve, it is not feasible for one person to do all of this. Um, I'm glad though that I reached this point and I've figured out the things that I've figured out to also know what's worth spending my time on and what isn't. And 
you know, that's one of an entrepreneur, like you're, you're figuring these things out, right? Like, where is it worth mm -hmm. it to spend my time and energy? And is this increasing my confidence or depleting it? Because that's something to keep in mind too. Yeah. Um, like right. give me a back issue and my confidence will ooh, not great. So I know like only spend a limited amount of time on that because <laughs> you got to bring it back up. It, um, it's tricky, you know, for the listeners, if you're thinking about starting your own business as a service, a service business or consultant consultancy or something like that, you know, um, you have to be very careful because you're, you're opening, you're sending out invoices, you're paying bills, you're licking stamps. Oh, oh and then you're working on marketing and now I got to check my <laughs> website and now, now I got to make three sales calls and now I actually got to go do the engagement. Uh, oh, and I got to book my own travel because nobody else does that. And all of it, right. You know, you're, <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so yes, to answer your question, I was actually working on um, a job description yesterday. So there will be a Very good. coming out and that's, you know, Very that's good. like when you and I talked before, I mean, what I really love about Rider Flex's strategy of what's the cultural fit here, because you can yeah. have, the most amazing skill sets. But if you're not around, you know, air quote, your people, yeah. that, that's not going to be an environment where you can thrive. And yeah. I personally only want to be in an environment where I can thrive. And I only want someone to be on my team, you know, where she can thrive too. You know, and I, let's, I'm glad you touched on that because I want to mention that for the listeners, you know, um, I, I think, I think it's important to, uh, talk about what we mean by culture matchup uh, for, mm -hmm. for us anyway, at Riderflex, you know, some people hear that and they're like, Oh, do you mean like if it's a company full of like all 55 year old white dudes that that's who you hire? No, that, that's, that's not, that's not what we mean by, <laughs> that's not what we mean by culture. Mm -hmm. What Riderflex means by that is like, if, if, for example, I'll give you a perfect example. We have a client right now that we're doing some search searching for, um, and out of all the different clients we're, we're, we are servicing, this client is a hard-nosed, East Coast, fast-talking, cursing, type A, <laughs> aggressive individual. Like, I would describe this indiv individual as like uh, Joe Pesci on steroids, uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, and so uh, that character in the movies, right, that Joe mm -hmm. Pesci always plays. Mm -hmm. And so would I send a very timid, shy, quiet, introverted person in to interview with him? Probably not. <laughs> mm -mm. Mm -mm. That's what that I was, mean by that. That's an example of what I mean by culture fit. You know, I think it's important for everybody to, to hear that because it's not, we're not talking about uh, race or, or age. We're talking about how, how the company works. How do yeah. you work? Are you, do you have an environment where you guys are like late and unorganized and messy and we need to send you somebody that's okay living in that type of type of world, or are you very structured, very quiet, very librarian-like? Um, you know, uh, and I'm not going to send you somebody that's a little rough around the edges or is is just wild and crazy personality. So that that's what we mean, anyway. Just to touch on that. No, it, um, it's huge, and that's been the the make or break, you know, in various roles that I've had, and that you know, like the automotive that at the end of the day was not a cultural fit for me. We didn't, yeah. we didn't care about the same yeah. things. Didn't care about the same things. Yep. Yep. Um, and while I could still do my job, I thought, why, why put all this time and effort, time and effort into something where like, I, I, you know, I have some great friendships and some, and some wonderful people that I met along the way, but you know, I'd much rather be in a place where I'm my authentic self inside and out and that's embraced yep. and, and welcome. So if, when you hire your admin person, they need to be like a former mechanic. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> they have impeccable social media and business development skills as well. Right. Sure. <laughs> I'm uh, uh, So now that you've tried this, you're still early. I would call your, I would call your entrepreneurial journey still pretty early. Mm -hmm. What's been the scariest thing so far? Scariest thing. That's a good question. Um, this, I guess, I'm not sure I would describe it as scary, but the trickiest part is managing the business development piece and the operations piece because you can't do those two things simultaneously. So like, I feel very blessed, for example, that since March, um, 
I've done 14 Empower Hour workshops. I've Good read, Great. Awesome. 140 women have participated in those workshops and I get Fantastic. the stories and I, you know, hear like, so that's, that's really exciting. Uh, when I'm doing the workshop and prepping for the workshop and doing the, the follow-up from the workshop, not doing business development. Yep. And you need, <laughs> you need both. And there is an element of business development within the workshops because they can certainly sure. lead to other things. Uh, but that, so that's, I would say the, the trickiest part. I don't know that it's been scary because, you know, when I tell people this is what I'm doing, I haven't had a single person say to me, really? Everybody's like, oh, like, yeah, duh. good. That's good. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, so that, that's, a, that's really good. That's good for the listeners. And that, I think that, I think that's some, there's some good advice there. If you are starting something, if you can, if you can partner with someone, um, early on or the sooner, the better, you, you, you know, you'll, you'll be better off. And what I, and that's how Riderflex did it, but you probably already remember the story. I told you, I called my buddy Scott and I said, Hey, look, mm -hmm. we're going to, we're going to turn Riderflex into a recruiting firm. I'll handle operations and recruiting. You handle sales because a, I don't like handling sales and B, you're, 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 you're good at it and I can't do both. So. <laughs> yeah. And you want to scale. I mean, that's just exactly. Yeah. And you know, that, that's a, that's a confidence, a key to confidence as well is optimizing your strengths. You know, what are your superpowers? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really prioritizing time spent on those superpowers, because if you start to trend over into those areas of self-doubt or, you know, like why I can't, or I shouldn't, or why am I doing this? And then you shift your focus back to something that you know you're good at doing. That'll help stave off those thoughts that aren't going to serve you any sort of purpose whatsoever. That's pretty good. Let me ask you, I know we're oh yeah, e easing up on our time here. Um, let me ask you a couple more questions real fast. Do you have to stop right at the top of the hour? I got, I got like two more questions for you. I'm good. You're my priority, Steve. So. Right, okay. I appreciate it. Sorry to keep you a little bit long. Uh, um, can I go, I want to ask you a couple of wrap up questions, but I want to go backwards just for a minute and, and ask if there is a young female executive listening to this podcast, that's in a heavily, you know, male dominated environment like you mm -hmm. were in, um, mm -hmm. And you could just give her one sentence or two of encouragement right now. Mm -hmm. What would you tell her? Uh, one, to know that her competence is to be self-validated only. It should not come from someone else. I talk about the, the currency of competence and think about it the same way you would an amount in your bank account. You own it. You choose how to grow it you choose how to invest in it. It has your name on it. That's not someone else's option to deplete your account. Ooh, I like that. That's pretty so good. Stay, and, and the cool thing about it too, is that confidence compounds. So when you can really, what we were just talking about, optimize strengths in one area, that will transfer to another area. And it even has crossover between personal and professional. Uh, a woman on my a recent workshop, she learned how to swim as an adult. And so you can imagine that her confidence skyrocketed, not just in the pool, but in all, ki like, uh, all kinds of other areas too. And you mm. can use it to your advantage that way. So that, so that would be one. And also always being mindful of the barriers between personal and professional. Mm. That it, it, you know, like there, there's a chapter, it actually didn't make it into the book, but one that I considered of, I'd rather be considered a stick in the mud than a party girl. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be careful. I'd get promotions and party girls get other things. And I was more focused on the promotion and I don't regret it for a second. That's good. Uh, okay, great. I appreciate you sharing some of that. So now that you've had a pretty good career, right? Great career in, in sales coming up and now you're running your own business and you're probably like 29 years old now. I'm yeah, give or take. <laughs> Uh, but if you, if you, if you were looking back and if you could, if you could call the young lady coming out of Ohio state, what, what would you tell her today? I think I would tell her one, you're not coming back from Colorado. Cause I didn't know that for a while. And I'd, I'd give my parents the warning right at that moment, <laughs> <laughs> but two, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty pleased with my path. So okay. I think even in the times that were, challenging or the different, the, the difficult personalities, like those still taught me lessons that I can now teach and pay forward. Although the one thing 
that I wish I would have recognized earlier is if you're working in a toxic environment, there's, and even no matter what they're paying you, that salary is not worth your self-worth and your self-esteem. And it will have, there's a lag effect to it. It will have lasting effects even after you get out of it. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. If you're in a toxic environment, I mean, whatever that is, whether it's a cruel, mean boss or, you know, whatever it is, just, just leave. You'll be mm -hmm. okay. You, you will be yeah. okay. You know, everybody gets wrapped up into this. Okay. Well, but if I quit and how am I going to make my car payment next month? And I, what if I miss a mortgage payment? And what if I don't find a job right away? And they, they, they all of a sudden they get into this fear of the financial things they've set up in their life and they let that control their decision to stay mm -hmm. in, in a toxic environment. And you really don't have to. My biggest piece of advice there is you will be surprised how you will figure it out. It will work out. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not going to be homeless. It will be okay. Get out of the yeah. situation. <laughs> yeah. Because the longer you stay, the longer it's going to take you to recover and prevent yes. you from being somewhere where you're appreciated and where you feel like you belong. And by the way, you don't get these years back. Well, at least not that we know of. I, I think this is a one ride deal. So, you know, don't waste those years, right? Correct. Um, what's, find what's, a really good recruiting company to partner with. Find a really good recruiting uh, company like Riderflex. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what's Jamie's core purpose in life if she had to put it into a sentence? When you wake up every day, your, your core, core purpose is what? It's empowering women. It's showing them that what you believe you want to achieve, that you can, and that having surrounding yourself with the right people is really critical to that because we're all going to, no matter how centered we are in our confidence, we're all going to run in those days or those times, or hopefully not a season, but sometimes a season, you know, where things are just coming at us and coming at us and coming at us. And that's not why any of us are on this earth. You know, we're here to do good things and to, to lead a fulfilling life. So surround yourself with those people who lift you up and just remind you how amazing you are and just have that champion, have that champion. And by the way, Jamie can be your champion. That's jamieempowers.com. <laughs> Professional cheerleaders, <laughs> sometimes how it's described, but yeah, all, all day long. I mean, I'm, I am never going to let you not believe in yourself ever. That's fantastic. I appreciate you being on the Rider Flex podcast, Jamie. Thank you. It's so nice to be here, Steve. Thank you as well. The Riderflex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. Our show can be heard just about anywhere these days, but you can visit riderflex.com and click on the podcast page to hear all the previous episodes and learn more about the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Contact us at the email address info at riderflex.com or 888-964-5876. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoy our show, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes.